today we're going to be talking, the title of the message is The God Chaser. The God Chaser. I was thinking, um, I don't usually put notes up, so if you're taking notes, that's great. I go through a lot of different scriptures. I paraphrase a lot of different things, um, so it's best if you take notes. Uh, I may have shared this with you before, but the statistic says that uh, people that come to church and listen to a sermon, once you walk out of the doors, you immediately forget 70% of what was just spoke inside the building. So if you're not taking notes, thank you for giving me your attention for this uh, few minutes, but you will forget most of what I'm about to say. Still love you. <laughs> but I was thinking, Kayla and I have been going through a lot over the past year and a half, especially with what God's doing in our hearts and what God's doing in our lives. And, you know, it really hit me that Christianity as we know it today only exists because of God chasers. If you give that some thought, that's really deep because Christianity, the freedom that we have here in America and Christianity all over the world only exists today because of men and women who were God chasers. You can look at examples in the Bible from Noah to Abraham to Moses to Paul. You can look at, you know, there's more that you can point out, but some of the big names. You can look at evangelists today like Billy Graham. I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on. You probably have names that are coming to your heart right now that you're thinking about of men and women who are God chasers. And what we have today, the freedom that we have to worship God today, Christianity as we know it today, is because of men and women who were God chasers. Many people desire to be a God chaser, but they never step out of the boat. See, I could ask you guys... I can say, who wants to be a God chaser in here? And I can almost venture to say that pretty much everybody in here would raise your hand and say, I want to be a God chaser. But the reality of it is, and I'm not coming down on anybody, but the reality of it is, if we were to have all of us in a boat, then most of you would be like the paralyzed men in the boat, stuck in your fear. God chasers take risk. I love the story of Peter, obviously. You guys have heard me talk about Peter before. Peter was a nut. I think Peter would have been awesome to hang around. I think I'm a lot like Peter in certain ways where sometimes I say things that shouldn't have been said in the moment. You catch yourself and you're like, what? And <laughs> Peter was awesome, though. And there's so many ways of looking at that story, but... There's one thing that happened that nobody else got to experience, and that's that Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Everybody else was paralyzed in fear, but Peter was a God chaser. Everybody else was like, I'm not really sure if that, but Peter was in touch, and he's like, if that's you, I'm coming. And he stepped out of the boat, and he, that was probably the best, I don't know how many steps he took, but that was probably the best few steps of his life that he ever took. And there's a lot of different uh, messages that have been preached on that, and there's people that can look at it and they say, well, you know, what did Jesus say to him next? Well, let me say something here that the Bible says it only takes a little bit of faith to move a mountain. And Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. At least Jesus didn't say, oh, you have no faith. Peter was a God chaser. Everybody else was stuck on the boat, paralyzed in fear, afraid to take that step towards God. Peter wasn't. You know, something else that can be said about that story is the only reason that 
Jesus had to help Peter up is because Peter chased in the first place. Nobody else needed help because they didn't go after God. They stayed in their comfort zone. Kayla and I want to be God chasers. That's our hearts. God's really ministered to us over the, man, just the past six months. You know, I want to spend a little bit of time today sharing our testimony with you and and sharing what God's done in our hearts, but also share a message with you. You know, over the past year and a half, Kayla and I have battled with, with the call that God has given to us. We're like, God, is this really you? We've gone back and forth, and we battle, and we battle, and we battle. But over the past six months, what God's done in our hearts is like, man, what are we doing? We want to be God chasers. That's our hearts. You know, I look back when we first started a ministry here over three years ago. We were youth pastors, and, you know, it's really easy when you first start a ministry to not think inside the box. You're like, let's get crazy here. So I remember God pierced our hearts for the first Summer Bash. You guys excited about Summer Bash 15? Doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> it's okay. I'm excited. That's all that matters. That's about the sound it was in Summer Bash 13. <laughs> we're getting real here. See, a lot of people thought we were crazy. What do you mean we're about to spend $8,000 on some Christian rappers to come out? What are you guys talking about? You guys are nuts, and we are. <laughs> we are nuts. I remember God piercing our hearts, though. I remember us sitting down with Pastor in the youth room, and Pastor, I remember his fist going on the table and said, I'm in. Let's do this. But the thing that we didn't know is we're like, okay, now we need nearly $10,000. <laughs> See, it showed that it was God and not us because there was no way that we could do it. There was no way that we could do it. And I remember how that whole process turned out and how Kayla and I simply chased after God. We're like, God, you've given us a vision. You've given us a dream to accomplish here. You've put something in our hearts. We have no idea how this is going to work. I think there's a lot of people that are looking at this with skepticism saying, I don't understand what they're about to do. But we kept chasing God, and one by one, he brought every piece of the puzzle in, and we had an amazing, amazing night that night. So amazing that I remember that Angie's cousin, right, came there that night who they hadn't seen in quite a long time. And at a Christian rap concert, uh, I don't know, 40, 50-year-old white lady comes to the altar and gives her heart to the Lord, dies about six months later. What if we wouldn't have chased that dream? Chasing God isn't for ourselves. We always got to keep that in mind. But about two years ago, come October, God placed on Kayla and I's heart, Wilmington, North Carolina, to plant a church. And I won't get into the full story because Kayla says I get long-winded and start rambling. <laughs> but to make a long story short is God pierced our hearts with the city of Wilmington, North Carolina. And what we did after that was we, we questioned and we're like, God, really, is this you? We, we went all the way to North Carolina. Never stepped foot in the city. We went all the way there seeking God. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. We went all the way there. And the first morning that we were there, sure enough, God made it very clear to us, this is where I want you. But we still spent the next year and a half questioning. I was reading the Bible in those moments of seeking about this, and I came to Genesis, and the youth know me, that what's my favorite book? 
Genesis. I love the book of Genesis. And when I read this, it hit me in a way like it never hit me before. I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And it was Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I read that, and I was like, wow. See, to some of you might be like, well, that's a great story. But see, to me, that really hit home because, yeah, I'm not leaving the country, but I've never even left my city to live anywhere else. Um, I live right across the street from my grandpa, right next door from my sister, right diagonal from my mom, and my in-laws live 3.1 miles away, two roads over. So when I read that, I'm like, man, get out of your country, away from your family, away from your father's house to a land that I will show you. It hit me in a way like I had never been hit before. I'm like, this is real. This is real. And it leads me into our first point that the God chaser doesn't question the call simply because they are comfortable. The God chaser doesn't question the call simply because they are comfortable. We questioned and questioned and questioned and questioned. We tried to avoid it. We tried to make, uh, we tried to make things happen that, that God didn't have for us. We, we love it here. You guys will never know the love that I have for you as a youth group. You guys will never know the love that I have for you as a church family. But what was happening in Kayla and I's lives throughout this process is that we became so spiritually discontent because this isn't what God had for us. Is we would get so excited and we'd try to have new visions and new dreams here and we'd think that things were going great, but there was still that feeling inside where we were so discontent with how things were going. It wasn't the church and it wasn't the ministry. It was the fact that God had another calling on our lives and that we kept questioning it and we were not being obedient. See, the rest of Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abram, didn't really hit me until probably the past six months. Verses 3 through 5 say, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the part that really I didn't grasp. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. I realized that Abram or Abraham, as we come to know, didn't sit back and question and say, God, is this really you? I hear you, God, but I'm going to talk to my wife about this first. We got to make sure that we're on the same page. Now I'm going to go consult all the leadership in my church, and I'm going to go talk to my friends, and I'm going to pray about this for a while, God. I'm going to seek out to make sure that this is you. I don't see that anywhere in there. God said, go, and Abraham said, okay. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had, or that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. See, it hit me, the gospel's always been the same. In the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene, and what's Jesus tell everybody? He says, follow me. But there's something that usually follows, and it says, follow me, and I will make you. Follow me. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. See, in the Old Testament, it was the same. God was saying, chase after me. Follow me. See, he didn't look at Abraham or Abram and say, you go, and you make all this happen. No, he simply said, you be obedient and go. 
And he said, I will make you. I will show you. I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. See, when we chase after God, he does the work. But we have to do the work as far as following after him. You know, it hit me that there's something about wise counsel. It's not always wise. What I mean by that is so often when God speaks into our hearts and see, you know, when God speaks into your heart, it doesn't have to be maybe moving 10 hours away, but it, be, it could be a vision that God has given you for something in the church or something in your community or something in your school or something in your workplace. But so often what happens is, is God speaks into your heart and because you're comfortable and because you don't want to make a move and because you don't want to change any of your routine is that you start questioning it and you start going and you start, you quote unquote, seeking wise counsel and you start talking to everybody. But the problem is, is that what God's placed on your heart isn't necessarily placed on anybody else's. So when you start trying to receive your confirmations from everybody around you who has no idea what you're talking about, you missed it. Because when God said go, he meant it. He didn't say go talk to everybody you know inside your church and see what they think about it. He didn't even say, Abraham, go confront your wife about this and make sure she's cool with it. God said, I'm calling you to go somewhere else. And Abraham said, okay. I want to be like Abraham. Minus the adultery. Just throw that out there. I'm going to just I'm gonna throw that out there. <laughs> just in case some of y'all are like, wait a minute. <laughs> we can joke, right? We can have a little fun. <laughs> you know, I look at the stories in the Bible. I look at the story of Noah. Did Noah question the call? See, Noah responded to the call just like Abraham did. See, can you imagine what was going through Noah's head? Some people say that it didn't even, hadn't even rained on the earth. Some people say it rained, but if it had rained, it hadn't rained into a point where they're like even flash floods. But some people say it never even rained on the earth. Can you imagine that if God went up to Noah and he's like, hey, I want you to build an ark. He's like, okay. Because there's going to be a flood on the earth. It's going to rain like it's never rained before. What's rain? What are you talking about, God? If somebody had a reason to question, it's Noah. What are you talking about? Why am I doing this? This sounds crazy. Noah spent over 100 years of his life building an ark. Think about that for a minute. He spent over 100 years of his life building an ark. We have trouble spending an hour of our lives doing something that God asked us to do. Can you imagine us spending 10 to 20 years of our life focusing on one thing that God asked us to do? Noah didn't question. Noah probably looked like a nut. Day after day, year after year, people walking by and seeing Noah building an ark. What are you doing? I can only imagine. Noah's probably like, God told me to do it. We look at some people today that have those same revelations that God told them to do something, and the American culture is that they're crazy. God chasers are crazy. They always take risk. See, but it's so easy for us to make excuses. What was really hitting me while we were worshiping today 
was it so easy in the culture that we live in to be consumed by our possessions? It's so easy to get comfortable with our lives that when God asks us to do something, either great or small, that it's so easy for us to get consumed with everything that we have around us, even our families. It's so easy that we get consumed with everything we have around us that we don't want to step out of our comfort zone, so we start questioning everything that God's doing. We're trying to find comfort in our flesh. Because it's so easy to have all this stuff around us, and some of this stuff's not even bad, but it consumes our lives. And when God tells us to let go of something, we end up like that man in the Bible that walked away with his head down because he didn't really want to get rid of everything he had to chase after God. See, God chasers, what they do is when God says, I've got something for you, they realize that even if they have to give up everything that they have, they know that what God has for them is better. But it's so easy for us to make excuses. See, Kayla and I battled this. We make excuse after excuse. Well, we, we got the youth and we love it and we, we love we're at the church and you know, maybe we're supposed to stay here and maybe we're supposed to do that. And what we were doing was trying to find comfort in our flesh, but we weren't obeying the spirit. We try to find comfort in all the things around us, but you're never going to be truly comfortable if you want to be a God chaser and you know that God has something for you to chase and you don't do it. I don't know if any of you heard of the name Reinhard Bonnke. But he's an evangelist. I think he's from Germany, if I'm not mistaken. And God has used him in some crazy ways. Some of the stories you read, you're like, is this, is this real life? God has used him in some crazy ways. I remember one story, and I'll probably butcher it a little bit, but one story was Reinhard Bonnke was, um, I don't know if they were in a church or what, but I think underneath them, on another level, was um, a wife's husband who had just passed away. He was in a coffin, and Reinhard Bonnke felt the Lord moving And that guy was raised from the dead. See, we look at that and we're like, no, 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 no. But I look at the Bible and I see, yes, 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 yes. That God can and and still does do stuff like that. And Reinhard Bonnke went through a little bit of an epiphany there. Because God used him in such a mighty way. And Reinhard Bonnke, he was like, God, why? Why am I so special? He asked God, he's like, why me? Why did you choose me to do this? And God said, I didn't choose you. The other two said no. That's a heavy revy. Sometimes we miss out on what God has for us. See, God can raise up other leaders, other leaders to to go do a calling that he has for you. But how many of us are the ones that are saying no? How many of us are the ones that are sitting on the boat? When God speaks, we need to listen. God chasers are willing to risk it all if God says that he's in it. Point number two, God chasers stay focused. The God chaser stays focused. When you look at the story of Abraham, 
And Abraham was definitely a God chaser. I mean, when you think about that story, what Abraham did, I mean, he, where he grew up, where his family was, where, where he was always familiar with, that he literally gave up everything that he had. He picked up his possessions and took his family, and they left. But he left all he ever knew. So Abraham was a God chaser. When God said go, he went. But there came a point in the, the walk with Abraham and Sarah that they didn't stay focused. See, God promised a child to them, Right? And in the midst of them seeking after this, there came a point when they started questioning the call that God had on their lives. And Abraham went through a period where he tried to accomplish it himself. Well, God, I don't see how you're going to make this happen. I don't understand how this is going to come. I don't don't get it. So what did he do? He ended up having an adulterous relationship. And he had a son born who wasn't the promised son that God had for him. See, Abraham didn't stay focused when he was chasing God. But we see in Genesis 22, I like to say he went from failure to faith. Because where he had made the mistake, he got refocused on the calling that God had for him. And they had their child, the promised child that that God had promised them. And then what's God asking him to do? He asked him to take him as a sacrifice. Give him up. Can you imagine what was going through Abraham's heart? Wait a second, God. This is the promise that you've given me here. And you want me to sacrifice him. Abraham was a God chaser. His focus was back on God. So what does he do? He takes him up to the altar. Man, that was one scene in the, in the Bible series that really was heavy hitting. Mikey watched it with me. It was heavy hitting. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. And he, you know, he's strapping him down. His son's kind of like, what's going on? He's getting ready to, to lay him down as a sacrifice. Can you imagine in that moment if Abraham would have taken his focus off of God? See, it's one thing to be a God chaser, but it's another thing to be a God chaser and stay focused on what God has for you. See, if Abraham wouldn't have stood on the promise that God had given him, and what if he had gotten in that moment, and he's got the knife in his hand, and he's got his son laying there, and he knows that he wants to chase after what God has for him, and then in the midst of that, his flesh kicks in, and instead of listening to the Spirit of God, that he starts getting all these emotions welled up inside of him, and he doesn't know how to react, and he's angry, and what if, what if, when he he would have picked up that knife and he would have started to come down that he wouldn't have heard the voice of the angel say, Abraham. What if he had lost focus in that moment of being a God chaser and he would have followed through? See, we don't often look at what would have been the other result if something else would have happened. But where would we be today? We are where we are at today because of God chasers like Abraham who were in always listening to the Holy Spirit, always listening, that he was focused on what God had for him. And he knew that God said that this is your promise. And he didn't take his eyes off that, but he said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm chasing after you. And as soon as he heard the voice to say, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on that child. 
I can imagine he probably hit his knees and tears and sweating and everything. But God chasers get their reward. See, it's easy to lose focus on the journey and forget all the miracles that God did to get you where you are. I was talking to Greg recently and and Kayla, and I don't want to be like the Israelites. I don't want to be like the Israelites. See, the Israelites were in captivity, and they were in bondage, and they were getting treated horribly in Egypt, right? So God uses Moses to take them out of captivity. You all know the story. They crossed the Red Sea. They didn't just swim across it. They, God parted the Red Sea for them, and they get through it, and they immediately forgot what God had just done. And how many times did this happen for them? See, they were being led by a God chaser, but they themselves wanted to be comfortable. Give that some thought. See, they were being led by a God chaser, but they themselves were the ones that were in paralyzed fear, and they'd have rather stayed on the boat. They even mentioned they wanted to go back to Egypt because they had meat there. See, I don't want to be like the Israelites when I'm walking on a journey that God calls me to, and I start questioning and start bickering and saying, God, I don't understand how I'm going to get through this one, and I ignore what God just took me through. See, the God chaser stays focused on God and knows, you know what, I'm going to come across a lot of things that I don't know how to do. I don't understand how it's going to happen. I don't know if I can accomplish this. In fact, I know that I can't accomplish what I'm about to. I know, me personally, I know that I cannot accomplish what Kayla and I are about to do in Wilmington, North Carolina by myself. I can't. In fact, I think there's probably a lot of people that probably think we're crazy. We asked the, we always asked the question this morning, do you have jobs yet? No, I do not. When are you leaving? End of September. Ask me at the end of September if we have jobs. My answer might still be no. Ask me when we're leaving. We're leaving at the end of September. Why? Because God has called us someplace, and if God has called us someplace, he's going to bring it through. God chasers look nuts sometimes. I hope at the end of my life that people look back at me and say, that guy was crazy. I really do. I hope that people look back at me and say, that guy was crazy. You'll probably see many moments in my life when I started to drown. But it's okay because when I'm chasing God, his hand is always out there to bring me back up out of the water and get me back on the path. See, God chasers go. They risk it all. They say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but let's do this. They stay focused on the journey. Moses lost focus. Moses lost focus. I know I introed a couple weeks ago talking about the story of Moses, but Moses was a God chaser, most definitely. Moses led him out of captivity. Moses led him through the wilderness. Moses led him through many different areas, many different trials, many different things, but it came time when they were complaining once again, the Israelites in their mouths, right? They're always running, God, when are you going to do this for us? Did you not see what I just did, really? But here they are again. They're like, oh, we don't have any water. We don't have any water, so Moses, he's starting to get irritated, right? He's, I can only imagine being the leader of all these people who are annoying you like that. But he goes to God, and we hear the story, and God said to him what? Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Moses was definitely a God chaser, but in the moment, Moses lost focus. And out of his anger, he struck the rock twice. Now, the crazy thing about that story is, is that God still blessed him. God still brought forth water. But the reality of that story is because of that, Moses missed out on his inheritance. 
I say all that because you can stay comfortable where you're at. You can ignore what God's placed on your heart, and he will still bless you in the kingdom of God. But you might very well be missing out on the inheritance that he has for you. I don't want to miss out on my inheritance. Noah didn't lose focus. Back to the story of Noah. Noah didn't lose focus. I have, I'm not, I'm not going to consider myself ADD, but I get bored with stuff sometimes. My mom can probably attest that I started project after project at home when I was younger, and they get about halfway done, and I'd be on to something else. <laughs> I don't know how many messes that her and my dad had to clean up because I would get, I would get a, you know, I get a bug in my ear, get excited about something, I start to do it, and then I'm, I'm tired of this. Let's go on to something else. Can you imagine having to spend over a hundred years of your life focused on the same thing? I can't imagine it. I really can't. But it brings you back that God chasers stay focused. That Noah knew that God had placed this on his heart for a reason. He may not have understood. He may have been like, this is nuts. He may have even been thinking that himself. He could have thought that, but it's whether he was obedient or not, and he was obedient. And for over 100 years, I think they say around 120 years that he spent on this ark. And guess what? What if Noah would have lost focus? See, so oftentimes we can look at things and we can say, well, it's okay if you lose focus because God will raise up another leader. Well, what if Noah would have lost focus? What other leader would have been raised up? They'd all been drowned. Where would we be? (laughs) We wouldn't. We wouldn't be. God chasers stay focused on what God has called them to do, and they chase after it, no matter the consequences, no matter what they look like, no matter what people are saying. From You know how easy it is to start getting distracted by the outside world and the, the, the mouths around you and all the people that are negative and all the people that don't understand what you're doing, all the people that think that they need to put in their two cents worth and all the people that think that they need to tell you what they're... You know, we live in America where they're like, well, if you don't have this, 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 and this lined up, then you probably shouldn't do it. We gotta be very smart about this, right? We live in America. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, I look in the New Testament as well, and I see people after people who were leaving their families and literally dropping everything that they own, walking away from jobs, walking away from security, walking away from comfort to chase after God. That's what God is desiring for us to do. When he places something in your heart, he's not asking you to sit back and think about it and pray about it and see if this is what he really wants. When he places it in your heart, he's saying, I don't care what you look like. It doesn't matter what people think. I promise that this is going to work out. You need to chase after it. See, when you chase after it, you're either going to have people walk away and they're going to live the rest of their lives in pain, but you're you're also going to have people that see it and they're like, wait a minute, I want to be a God chaser just like him. I think I'm on board. I'm going to follow after you. Do people look at the Christian church today and see God chasers and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be like them. Or do they see people that are sitting in the church pews or the church seats who are pointing fingers judgmentally at the outside world, always condemning them, always saying things, sitting on their high horse, forgetting that they're sinners. What do they see? See, I know in the New Testament, when Jesus came on the scene and people were following after him, that they saw people who were chasing after God, who were walking in love. There was multitudes and multitudes that followed. They wanted a piece of it. 
They wanted, to, they wanted their healing or they wanted to see things, miracles take place. They wanted to follow after God and say, I want to see what this is all about. And when they would see what it was all about, they're like, I want some of that. I want to chase after the same God that I just witnessed you chasing after. But so often these days we think, well, if we just are obedient and we're religious and we come to church every week and we sit in our seats, that people are going to want to come here with us. Chasing after God isn't for ourselves. I think that's where a lot of people lose focus is because it gets difficult at times when you realize that when you're chasing after God, most likely you're chasing after God to become a servant, that it's not about you. And that can get tiring at times because you're like, what about me? I want this, and right now I just feel like that, and I need this, and I got to do this, and I want this. It's so easy to lose focus when you're chasing after God. But when you stay focused, chasing after God, the reward will come. Point number three. God chasers dream big. God chasers dream big. Don't let those who surround you be your basis of how you dream in life. Don't let those who surround you be your basis of how you dream in life. It's so easy to base our decisions off of what other people are doing around us. Even when you feel God tugging at your heart to come to the altar, I think we've all been in that position where we're sitting there and we feel God nudging, but we're looking around to see who else is going to go before me. We've all been in those positions. I've been there. I'm sitting there. I'm like, mm-hmm, I feel this. <laughs> See somebody else go. Don't always wait on somebody else to lead you. If God's put something in your heart, whether it's getting up out of your seat and coming to the altar or whether it's getting out of your seat and moving to Wilmington, North Carolina, or whether it's getting out of your seat and starting a summer bash or whether it's getting out of your seat and starting something in your workplace or whether it's even witnessing to somebody, no matter what it is, don't surround yourself or look at the people surrounding you and think, I'm going to wait until somebody else moves. God probably hasn't placed that in their heart. You react to what God's placed in yours. I love what Carl Lentz said. Carl Lentz is the uh, pastor at Hillsong, New York, and what they have going on there is absolutely insane. But I listened to one of his messages, and it I don't know if it's the exact quote, but basically he said, if your dreams don't require God, they're not dreams. They're just really good ideas. If your dreams don't require God, they're not dreams. They're just really good ideas. The Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart. And I was thinking about that, and it's like, you know, usually when you talk to people and the desires of their heart usually are based around things that they want to enhance their own lives. If we get real, usually the desires of people's heart, 
or maybe for a better job, maybe for more money, maybe for their family to get better, for all these things. And I'm not saying that those are bad things. I'm not even saying that God won't bless those things. The Bible says that God will give us the desires of our heart. But usually the desires of our heart are everything except for ministry. It's really easy as a Christian, and I know that there's times when sometimes you do just need to be that Christian that comes to church and gets fed. Sometimes you just had so much in life where you just need to be that Christian that sits out of the game for a few minutes, and you're like, I just need, I just need to get some rest right now. I get that. But the problem is, is that most people live their lives like that. Most people find an excuse after excuse, um, reasons why they can't chase after God, and reasons why they're just that Sunday morning Christian, and reasons why they don't do anything to enhance the kingdom of God. They find excuse and reasons all the time to never get out of that comfort zone and to always stay there. We put God in a box, and you know what that box is usually called? Our church building. We usually put God in a box, and that box is usually our church building. See, this is such a blessing to have. But see, our dreams and our desires and our hearts need to reach outside this place. Growth comes when you go out and you plant seeds, not plant seeds. Growth comes when you go out and you plant seeds. We need to be living lives with God-sized dreams. See, we need a desire to have God-sized dreams so at the end of the day, we know it was God and not us. See, if it's something that you can accomplish on your own, what need do you have for God? See, we've been given all these stories in the Bible. All these stories in the Bible that we can look back and we look at the story of Moses and all the miracles that happened for them. And we look at the story of Abraham and everything that took place in his life. And we look at the story of Noah. And we look in the New Testament. And we see all these stories. We've been blessed to have all these stories that we can look back at and look and say, wow, look what God did. All the stories point back to God. They don't point to themselves. All the stories point to God. We now have the ability to look at those stories. And not only should we desire them, but we should expect God to do the same thing in our life. We should be having God-sized dreams. That when God plants something in our heart, we don't immediately start thinking, how can I make this happen? We went through this for a while with North Carolina. We're like, God, okay, we get it. You know, we went to uh, Florida and sat with uh, one of my buddies. Is a, a worship, he's the worship pastor at a church of 7,000 members. And... Uh, I walked in, I'm like, what is, this is nuts. To see their vision, to hear their vision. I go in, and, and we were able to go backstage with them and, and kind of see how things were operated. And, and we go backstage, and, and we, you know, I just asked him a few questions. He knows nothing about our situation, and he started pouring into us. And he just started speaking. At one point, he stopped and said, I don't know why I'm saying this. And he's like, well, actually, I do. And he kept pouring into us, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, oh, my goodness, he's been reading something that we wrote. I mean, he said, one part, one part that he said was the story of Moses. He said, you know, uh, God still blessed Moses, but because of his disobedience, he didn't get his inheritance. He said that blessings never come in comfort. Kayla and I are looking at each other like, he's talking to us. So we battled and we battled and we battled. And we went back and forth and, and we, then we're like, okay, God, we're going to commit to this. We know that this is where you want us, but okay, Kayla, what can we do to make this happen? 
And we start beating our heads thinking, okay, well, uh, well we ain't no rich folk. So what are we going to do? We, we start, you start running all these things to your head. And let me tell you something. that if you do that and you look at the flesh and you look at all the things that surround you, you will never step out of the boat. But when you just listen to God... And when you see that God has a plan for you and God has a desire for you, when God says, this is where I want you or this is what I want you to do, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. When God says that he will provide, when God says that he will make it happen, all you need to do is walk in faith and he will make it happen. I was talking with Luke and Dooner and Hank one day. I think we were in Florida on vacation again. And... Luke's always, Luke's always bringing some meat to the table to try to, you guys know Luke. Luke's always bringing some meat to the table to try to make you think. He said, would you rather dream big and live bigger or live big and dream bigger? I'll ask that one more time. Would you rather dream big and live bigger or would you rather live big and dream bigger? See, it's real easy to say, well, I'd rather live bigger. I'll dream big, but here was my side to it is that when you're dreaming bigger, you always live bigger. When you're dreaming bigger, you always live bigger. And that isn't necessarily for gra- gathering and, and getting things of the world. What that means is that when you are dreaming in the kingdom of God, that there's always going to be big things happening. See, when we just keep focused on how we can make things happen, it's not to say that it won't be blessed and you won't have good things happen. Let me tell you something. If you want to be a God chaser, then you need to start thinking outside the box and stop thinking about how things have always been done. And you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when God says that you need to do this and you're thinking to yourself, well, God, that's crazy. It's probably God. When you're thinking, I can't make this happen on my own, it's probably God. And that's the moment that you need to step outside the boat, put your hand out, because you're most likely going to fall a time or two. But you just need to keep walking and chasing after him. And when he says that he's going to do something in your life, he's going to do it. And it might not be a benefit for you, but there's going to be a reward, and you're going to see things happen for the kingdom of God. And that is really what we're here for. The question comes, what do you want to be? So you can get a ticket to heaven by being a Sunday Christian. And nothing am I saying, am I saying that you're not saved if you're not completely sold out. You can give your heart to the Lord and you can come and you can listen to Pastor Grind speak every week and get fed and, and go out and live your life and you know, I'm not saying you can live in sin, but you can go out and just, you know, come, every, come to church every Sunday and, and have your seat. And, you know, I look and I think that 90% of the people have the same exact seat every week. I love it. And you can come here and, and you can get fed and that can be your life. That can be everything. But I'm telling you, if you're wondering why sometimes you don't have any joy in the Lord and you're wondering why sometimes you just feel dead and you don't understand why your relationship with God is the way it is, well, you can probably take a look at your life and find out the answer pretty quick. Because the Bible never says that this life will be easy. The Bible never says that everything's going to be peachy. The Bible does say to give thanks and give him praise in all things and rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what comes your way. But I can tell you this, that if you live a life where it's not just coming to church and just sitting on a seat, if you live a life 
where you chase after God, and when you know that there's a lot of unknowns ahead, when you live a life where you say, I don't care what the risk is, I don't care what people think, I don't care what people say, I don't care if my family's not even on board. I don't care if my best friends think that I'm nuts. I don't care if I even lose relationships over this. If you live a life where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to be a God chaser and what God has placed in my heart, whether it's something like the bash, like I said, or whether it's something about packing up and moving, when God places something on your heart and when you seek after that, I promise you that your life with God will not be boring and dull, that you'll live a life full of joy. And yes, there may be hardships that come against you, but when you know you're seeking after the prize that God has for you, the reward is going to be much greater than if you just stay that boring Sunday Christian who always just come and sits on their seat and goes through the same issues week after week. I'm encouraging you that if you're sitting here and you know that that's you, that you need to get out of your comfort zone, take a step outside the boat and start seeking after God. And some of you might be saying, well, I don't have anything that God's placed on my heart. Well, why don't you get in prayer and start seeking and ask God to place something on your heart? We got to stop being afraid of hearing what we don't want to hear. See, some of us, we, I don't hear from God. Do you want to hear from God? Because sometimes when God speaks, it's not always what we want to hear. Sometimes when God speaks, it takes us completely out of our comfort zone, and we're like, wait a minute, God, is this really you? That's when the questioning starts coming in, because we're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have asked for this. You ever heard that before? They're like, careful what you pray for, because God might answer your prayer. Well, I'm encouraging you to ask God to mess up your life, to wreck your life, to make it abnormal, to make it not look like anybody else's, to make it look crazy. When people look at you, I hope that they look at you like you're nuts as well. That's what we need is a church not full of nuts. That doesn't sound good. But we, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. But what we do need is a church full of people. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? See? What we need is a church full of people who are radically changed and who want to seek after God no matter where he's walking. They obey the gospel when he says, follow me, that they say, God, I'm going to follow you, and it doesn't matter where you go. I don't care if I look like Noah and I'm working on a project that you placed in my heart for the next 10 years of my life. If you place this on my heart, I know that you're going to make it happen. It doesn't matter if God said to Mike and Kayla, I've called you to plant a church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And Kayla and I are like, God, this doesn't make any sense. We only know about five people that live there now, and we don't know anybody. And, man, what is going to happen when you start doing all that? You lose focus of what God has for you. See, it's a continual cycle. See, we need to dream big, but we need to be obedient once we dream big, and then we need to stay focused on that. You get it? It's a continuous cycle. You need to dream big. God's going to place something on your heart when you dream big. Then when he calls you to it, you need to be obedient and react to it and go. And then when you react to it and go, you need to focus on it so that you can see it coming to fruition and you can receive the blessing from it. And then it's a continuous cycle. Then when you receive that, you don't just, uh, well, we're done now. No, you say, God, what else do you have for me? Because I love that. You know, we got a chance to visit a, a church in Wilmington. We went down there, and um, Jerry and Mel Stone, who used to be youth pastors here, correct? They actually have really good friends who live in Wilmington. It's cool to see. Um, I'd love to, you know, sit down, and if you want to hear our story, I can share a lot of things that God has opened up and placed in, in our path. But they have really good friends that live in Wilmington, North Carolina, who planted a church. And, and my first question to Jerry when he told me this a long time ago is, well, how are they going to take that if we're coming? He said, no, 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 they're not like that. Church planners, they're not like that. And so he got us connected with them when we went down to Wilmington. And 
this church has now been uh, open for 10 years, and I was floored to see. It may be the biggest church in Wilmington. I'm not 100% sure, sure, but I know they have at least 2,000 members. And the executive pastor shared with us, he said, we've been, uh, you know, for the first six years of our ministry, we spent from school to school, hopping around from school to school. But now they own a whole shopping center. Now they own a whole shopping center. And the crazy thing about that is, is that um, they own a shopping center, but they only need to use about half of it right now. So the other half, they rent out. See, it's amazing to see that when you have God-sized dreams, God will bring things into your path that, you know, look, they're getting finances now from that. And they, they sent 59 people to Nicaragua on their last mission trip. 59 people. That's insane. I've never heard anything. 59 people going from a church. It was absolutely incredible. And I share that with you because I was encouraged. And when the pastor looked at us and, and he said, you know what? We're not territorial, and we don't get territorial, and that's where you can run into some issues. He said, if this is where you're called, we welcome you with open arms, and we'll do whatever we can to help you. I'm like, that, that's kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded. He said, you know what? He said, a church plant that just took place here, he said, they, they contacted us, and they said, you know what? We are going to send mailers out in your area, but we didn't, want to, we didn't want to come in your territory. And the pastor said, what are you doing? Send your mailers out. Send your mailers out because you're going to reach people that we can't reach. You're going to do things for the kingdom that we can't do. Our job as a church is to continue to grow, but you're not coming in our territory. This is God's territory is essentially what he was saying. I encourage you guys that whatever God has placed on your heart, that you need to seek after it. I expect when I come back, when we visit, I hope you give me more opportunities to come back and speak because I would absolutely love it. You guys are family here. But I hope when I come back that Kayla and I get to hear some stories where God has placed some visions on your heart or some dreams on your heart and you started to chase after them. Hmm. Kayla and I love you guys. We appreciate each and every single thing that you've done for us. It's a bittersweet moment because we're extremely excited to step into the next thing that God has for us, but we're extremely sad to have to leave family. And not just family, family, but you guys are family as well. But I encourage you that this isn't of us. Am I excited to be next to a beach? Well, I'm not going to lie. But a, <laughs> but a beach is not the only thing that would take me away from here. God's hands upon it. And we know this is where God wants us, so I encourage you guys. I know I usually don't end like this, but I encourage you guys that start seeking after, well, I sure hope that God doesn't take each of you 10 hours away because I want to see this church grow. <laughs> Pastor, he's going to contact me and be like, what did you do? <laughs> Got one going to Texas, one going to... I encourage you that whatever God places on your heart that you seek after, and I know that you have a pastor here who supports vision and wants to hear vision and will get behind you and will support you, and you have church members here who, who need people to step up and say, look, I got this vision on my heart. This is what I want to do. And it doesn't matter if it involves a church. If you're doing something for the kingdom of God, run with it. Run with it, because that is the most important thing in this life, is if you're chasing after God, because when you chase after God, there is reward after reward, not only for you, but for people that need it. 